All right, we're about to have church. Well, it's good to be back. I, uh, so many of you know, I had uh, mitral valve surgery a few weeks ago. It's a type of heart surgery and it was successful. And I've been on my way to recovery the last several weeks. And I really, I really appreciate all the prayers and cards and letters and uh, well-wishing over the past several weeks. It's really, really meant a lot to myself and, and to my family. So thank you very, very much. I, I invite you to kneel with me as we go to the Lord in prayer before we open his word together. Father, we thank you that we can come into this place today, this cool place on a hot summer day. God, we can come into this place to sing praises to your name. We can come into this place, God, to hear a word of encouragement, a word that will lift us up, a, a word that will point us back home. God, we thank you for the strength and power and hope we have because of your resurrection. And God, we pray that the same power that raised him from the dead will speak to us today as we open your word. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled today's message, You Were Made for This. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? You were made for this. What were you made for? We'll look at that in just a few minutes. But let's start off by talking about probably one of the most successful musicals of all time. A lot of us have seen it or seen the movie called Les Mis, Les Miserables. Les Miserables is, a, is an epic tale about a guy by the name of Jean Valjean who is accused of stealing, he's thrown into prison. And in the beginning of that musical, we find him in this horrific, dark, dungeon-like of a prison, pulling this massive rope and singing this song, don't look them in the eye. Look down, look down. You're here until you die. And the chorus of look down, look down, look down. Don't look your captors in the eye. Just hammers that point home again and again and again. To look down. I know that some of us came in to the worship center today. Maybe not physically, but inside your heart and mind, you are looking down. There are times when life brings you to your knees. There are times in life 
where you feel like you have been defeated and your posture and your bent and your life and your heart is looking down. But we know that we were not made to look down. Others of us are tempted to look at, aren't we? We live in a time when we are constantly called upon to compare ourselves to other people. And we look at our phones. We look at our feed. We look at others. And we say to ourselves inside, if I only looked like that, if I only had that, if I only lived there, if I only have their life, and we live in a time where envy and jealousy is always in our pocket and just one glance away. We've seen so many studies to show the detrimental effects of depression on young people and all of us is who get addicted to social media and just looking and gazing and looking at. Listen, you and I, as you know, we're not made to look at. Some of us here are not looking down, we're not looking at, we're looking in. You know, what can I do as I look inside of myself to find a sense of meaning and purpose? What can I put inside of me? What pleasure can I find? What substance can I find to put in me that will give me a sense of being or maybe allow me to escape the reality that's around me right now? So some of us are looking in, but you are not made to look in. What were you made for? What were we made for? Let's open God's word and ask him to speak that word to us today. Look, if you would, to the middle of the Bible, to the book of Psalms, Psalm 100, Psalm 100. We'll spell it out for us and talk about what we're made for. Verse one, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The great novelist Stephen King described a book as a piece of portable magic. I like that. 
because I like to read, I like books, and I like to carry real books, right? I, I use electronic books, but I like real books, and I like that description. It's a piece of portable magic that can transport you somewhere. And as I read Psalm 100, I'm reminded of that, and I think about this psalm as a piece of portable magic because where it's able to take you and to take me. It takes us to a higher place, doesn't it? It takes us and gives us an ultimate perspective. In other words, this psalm lifts us up. It tells us what we're made for. So what are we made for? It's something that we can't escape as human beings. We were made. We were made to joyfully worship our creator. That's what you were made for. You were made to joyfully worship your creator. And in this life that we have, you are going to end up worshiping someone or something. It's inescapable. Worship is who we are. We're going to find someone or something to worship. But there's only one that's worthy of our worship. There's only one that's worthy of all of our energy, our work, and our sweat, and our toil, and our joy, and that is God himself. I like what the old British preacher Spurgeon said about this passage. He said, our happy God should be worshiped by a happy people. A cheerful spirit is in keeping with his nature, his acts, and the gratitude we should cherish for his mercy. So God, when we say we should know that the Lord is God, we shout before him, this God is the infinite source of everything. And this God is transcendently above everything. God is the ground of all being. He is unlimited in his power. He is unlimited in his knowledge. He's unlimited in his ability to be everywhere present. This God dwells in inaccessible light and power. The triune God who spoke the universe into existence out of nothing. This is the Lord our God. He is unlimited. And then we look at ourselves and we say, Wow, this psalm tells us that we did not make ourselves. We're not self-created. No one is truly self-made. We're made by God, yet we are limited. Think about how limited we are. Our eyes 
are limited. They can only see so far or even a close up without some glasses, right? Our eyes cannot take a certain amount of light. If we go outside and look into the sun, our eyes will go blind. Our eyes are limited. Our ears are limited. Heck, our dog can hear better than we can. But if we hear something of a sound that's too great for our ears, our eardrums will burst and they will no longer work. They are limited. Our arms, no matter how much we work out and train, can lift so much weight, they're limited. Our legs can only carry us so far. They can only jump so high, they're limited. And our minds, think about it, our brains are limited. They can comprehend so much knowledge of the world around us as we study and toil and try to get more information. But our minds are limited. So when we realize that we are limited, human beings who are trapped in time and space and history, if you would, and we encounter this God who is limitless, who dwells in inaccessible light, who is our creator and our maker, then that humbles us. And it brings us to a place of awe and reverence and worship and worship. And, and only God himself is worthy of our worship. And all of our life, that is what we're attempting to do, we're trying to do. We're trying to make all of our life an act of worship to the God who made us. But to do that, we have to first humble ourselves Realize that we are not the creator, that we are the creature, and that there is a massive difference, a Grand Canyon-like separation between who God is and who we are. And yet, at the same time, we are made in his image. We were made to worship not each other, not even the things and the gifts of this world and nature, we were made to worship our creator God, the one who made us. That's what we're made for. And this Psalm 100 is, is a reflection of that. And it's talking really about what happens on a Sunday morning at 9.30, and we're already been doing it, to come into God's house with joy to come into God's house expectantly, to come into his house with a song of praise and shouting unto him. That's what we were made for. And then individually, when we leave this place and we're by ourselves to wake up in the morning and to bow our head before the God who made us and say, God, I want to honor you. I want to worship you in the way that I work. I want to worship you in the way I go about my life. I want to worship you in the way I take care of my family, my friends, and every aspect of my life. God, I want to place you at the center because you are the source. We're not living the good life 
We're not living the life that God intended for us if we're not joyfully worshiping the one who made us. Psalm 100 is an invitation to worship the God who made everything, who made you to acknowledge his lordship, his power, and his beauty in our life and in the world. It's an invitation to do that. That's what Psalm 100 is. I know a lot of you are really good with a cell phone and emojis. Emojis, remember, were given to help men show emotion when they're texting because we're so poor at it. So there's an emoji that some of us use and has a hundred. You ever seen that with two lines under it, hundred? And what that means is it means keep it 100. Keep it real, keep it authentic. And what a great place for us to start in this really hot, humid summer with Psalm 100 and say, you know what? This summer, I'm gonna keep it 100. I'm gonna keep it 100. It's gonna be 100 anyway. I'm gonna keep it 100. I'm gonna keep it 100. I want to really understand and grow deeper into the knowledge of who God is, to know him. And I want to put him at the center of my life and to joyfully worship him in all that I do. I'm gonna keep it 100. Now the Psalm shows us how we're to do this, okay? That's great, isn't it? How do we do it? Two ways, right, two ways. First of all, it says what? We thank him for what he has done. That's what it says in Psalm 100. We thank him for what he has done. Do you ever receive the gift from someone? You receive the gift and you're like, how am I going to thank them? I got a gift, they did something for you. You're like, how am I going to pay them back in a sense? How am I gonna show my gratitude for what they've done for me? How do we do that to God? When we come to this realization that there is a God, that he's out there, that he's all powerful, that he's unlimited, that he's all knowing, uh, that he's everywhere present, that he's transcendent, that he's holy and we're limited and we're humble before him. How do we give thanks? How do we give thanks? We give thanks, right? By serving. He says, your translation may say, serve the Lord with gladness by serving. We give thanks by being grateful for this world, this beautiful world that he has placed us in. In the midst of the pain and the heartache, there is still beauty in nature and we give thanks to God for that. We give thanks to God for this wonderful life, life itself that he's given to us. You say, well, I don't know where my life is. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what purpose I have. Listen, if you have a pulse right now, you still have a purpose for your life. God is with you. He's not finished with you yet. God gave us his son, his only begotten son, sacrificed his life for us, took it up on the third day. God gave us his spirit to live inside of us. God has given us the community. What we're doing right here is called church to encourage one another, to lift each other up. 
And if you're new to church and you think all these people have it all together, they don't. I promise you, I know them. I know me, okay? The, the church is not a country club for saints. It is a hospital for sinners, okay? And we're seeking to encourage one another to get better. So we thank God. We thank God for all that he has done for us. And even in the midst of life, when life can get chaotic and painful, I read this week the story, perhaps you remember the story in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. They were thrown into prison for, for helping people and they were beaten and they were put into stocks and they were in prison. And, it's, and around midnight, it says that they were praying and singing hymns to God. They're not only in prison, they're in stocks, right? <laughs> right, like in the old time in the colonial days, they're in stocks and they're praying and singing hymns to God. And the passage says the rest of the prisoners were listening to them. People are listening to you. People are listening to me. When we're going through a dark time, when we're going through a tough time, when we feel like we may be in prison, are we still worshiping and giving thanks to God for what he's done? Because they're listening, just like they listened to Paul and Silas. So how do we, how do we gladly worship God? We, we, we do it by thanking him for what he's done, and we also do it by thanking him for who he is. For who he is. He is our God and we are his people. It says that over and over again, we are his people. We are his sheep. Sickness may come into your life, but... We are his. Heartache may come into your life, but we are his. Loneliness may come into your life, but we are his. And we thank him for who he is. Psalm 100 said that he is, he's a good God. God is good. It says that he is a loving God, that his love endures forever. God's love for you and his mercy for you through Christ does not run out. And his faithfulness endures not just for you, but through generation to generation to generation. So we keep it 100, right? This, this psalm of the summer, if you would, that's full of praise and full of promise and full of purpose as it shows us what we are made for. Has God been good to you? He will always be good. Has God been loving to you? He will always be loving. 
Has God been there for you? He will always be there. You know, it's easy in life to lose your way. It just is. Sometimes we lose our way because we get so stinking busy. Sometimes we lose our way because we have problems and situations and trials that are hitting us from every single angle and we lose our way. Sometimes we lose our way when we go through catastrophic loss in our life. Sometimes we lose our way when there's a relationship rupture and we're trying to wonder where is God in all of this. It's easy in life to lose our way. It's just easy. And yet God, in the midst of fear, in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of feeling directionless, God is always calling us back home. Right? He's he's calling us back home. Home to worship. Home to center ourselves and our lives to gladly honor the one who made us, to thank him for what he has done for us in Christ and to thank him for who he is. This is home. Home is where we gladly worship the one who made us. That is what you were made for.